Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hi everyone, I'm Cheryl Butler, and you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome! Today's episode is number 549, How to Get Back into the Dating Game as a Single Parent. And I'm so excited to have a special guest joining me. Quick and Dirty Tips' newest host and podcast, The Relationship Doctor, Dr. Stephen Snyder. As I mentioned in my opening, today I have the ideal guest joining me to discuss today's topic of single parents and dating. Dr. Stephen Snyder, Quick and Dirty Tips Relationship Doctor, is a therapist with an international reputation as one of today's most original and creative thinkers on intimate relationships. That's based on his experience treating over 1,500 individuals and couples over the past 30 years. He's been a regular contributor to Huffington Post, Psychology Today, and the Times of London. He's also been featured on NBC Today and in Elle, Vogue, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Brides, Essence, Women's Health, The Atlantic, and The New York Times. He's the author of Love Worth Making, How to Have Ridiculously Great Sex in a Long-Lasting Relationship. Dr. Snyder is going to share his expertise on how single parents can feel good about combining their important role as mom or dad while finding love again. Wow. Steve, welcome to the Mighty Mommy podcast. It's so great to have you as a guest today. Cheryl, really appreciate you having me on the show. This is going to be a a great episode. Steve, I get emails from single parent listeners quite regularly about this topic. And the bottom line is this. No matter how much we adore spending time with our kids, flying solo as a single parent can be rough. Our kids keep us so busy, and so many of us haven't even been on a date in forever. Now, the time has come when we're ready to enjoy a romantic relationship again, but it's totally nerve-wracking, and a lot of single parents have no idea how to get started. Help! Okay. (laughs) Um, Listen, I know this scenario well. Uh, I've been divorced for almost six years now, and I just started dating again recently. And there is so much to think about when you're trying to get back out there again. So I thought we'd answer some of the questions that I've received from listeners about dating again as a single parent, starting with our first question. How long after being widowed or divorced should we wait before starting to date? Well, Cheryl, 
the consensus from most experts is probably that you should give your kids a year or two just to adjust to the loss of a family structure that they were familiar with before you bring a new person in their life in a serious way. On the other hand, it's absolutely fine if you want to date casually as long as you're discreet about it. And that usually means not introducing someone to your kids if you're only seeing them casually. But as we all know, you can't always control when you're going to get feelings for someone, even if you only plan for it to be casual. So, and especially if your previous marriage was unhappy enough to end up in divorce, you probably spent a long time not really feeling love. So it's natural that you'd want to have love and companionship and romance and physical intimacy. And sometimes it can feel like a real dilemma, trying to balance your one might say, mama bear instinct to protect your children at any cost against your need for romantic love and your awareness that you're not going to be young forever. The good news is that now you've got experience being a parent, which is a nice skill to have when the situation comes up where you have to parent yourself. Feelings are fine, as I'm sure you tell your kids, but feelings are meant to be your servants, not your master. So if you find yourself developing feelings for someone who you know isn't really going to be a good partner to co-parent with, you want to go ahead and use your best parenting skills. You tell yourself, it's going to be okay, let's just take our time and wait for someone who can do this right. Uh, That's another question that I get as well, is they find somebody that is, there's a little bit of chemistry between the, the two that are dating, but they know realistically it's not a good fit for the entire family. So we need to use our our good instincts and good judgment because we have to keep the family in mind as well. And I would say, again, parenting skills. You're really trying to parent yourself here, which is a big challenge. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Let's go on to the next question, Steve. What's the best way to look for a romantic partner? Because honestly, I'm worried about embarrassing my kids or myself, um, having something online where my neighbor might see, oh, Cheryl Butler is is trying to date again. Um, How do we handle that? Sure. Well, there's good news, which is that just about every single person you know is already looking for companionship online. So it's not going to raise anybody's eyebrows if they see your profile on Match.com. What's more, there's so many advantages to online dating, especially if you're a single parent. First, it's time efficient. Next, you have total control over who you decide to meet. And finally, best of all, online dating dramatically increases your options since there's an enormous number of single people on these sites. So my advice would be to, yeah, get over it. It's fine. Okay. Thank you. I (laughs) needed that. The classic site is Match.com for people looking for a committed relationship. There are a bunch of others for people who are looking for hookups. But for committed relationships, I think Match.com is still the tried and true. But uh, there are others. If you're over 50, you might want to consider one called Our Time, which is strictly for people over 50. And there are even sites specifically for single parents. They have names like Single Parent Love and Single Parent Match. You know, just Google a little bit, you'll find them. And so with those, you know exactly what you're getting. But I would want to give you one piece of advice, which is not to get all lovey-dovey with someone online before you meet them in person. Some people come across much better by text than in real life. And you really want to play it cool until you've had a chance to really experience somebody in the flesh. Excellent. I I love these tips. Thank you. So, all right, we're getting ready to uh, launch into the online dating world. Are there things that I can do to prepare myself, more so emotionally than physically, for the dating world again, especially if it's been a really long time? Okay. Well, first, to state the obvious, 
you really want to find somebody who's fully grown up because you already have your hands full taking care of kids who aren't fully grown up and you don't want to throw one more immature person into the mix. Next thing is to be prepared to communicate on an intimate level with someone, which most mothers already know how to do with their friends. I tell patients in my office, intimate communication, really simple, consists of three things. You, me, and a feeling. All together in one sentence. Let me show you what I mean. Let's say your potential partner really impresses you. You might be tempted to say something like, you're a really great guy. Now that's nice, but it's not really intimate because it doesn't have you in it, and it's not really a feeling. Let's make it a little more intimate. What if you say, I really like you? Feel the difference? It's got you and him and a feeling, all in one sentence, so it's intimate. Now, obviously, that's a little riskier, because you're putting yourself into it. But hey, that's where the real rewards are. That is so true. Uh, Thank you. What is the best way, Steve to start a new relationship without getting our kids upset? Well, first, maybe this goes without saying, but but you want to start with the right kind of partner. I always say you want a partner that has the three R's. They're reliable, they're reassuring, and they're real. Reliable because you have enough stress as a single parent already without wasting energy worrying about someone you can't count on. And reassuring Because dating as a single parent can be kind of confusing, obviously. So you need someone who can hold your hand and tell you it's going to be okay. And real, because if you end up getting attached to them, you want them to be all in. And in terms of what to do about your kids, I think most experts say you shouldn't introduce your children to a new partner until you're ready to commit to this person long term, which I know sounds kind of severe, but it's especially true if your kids are young. If you've been divorced or widowed fairly recently, it's important to keep in mind this is already a huge change in your child's life. And many children, in fact, still cling to the idea that their parents will eventually get back together. That's all the more reason to take it very slowly when you introduce them to somebody new. The next challenge is to give your child time to get to know your new partner in a relaxed setting. And a group activity is usually ideal for this because there's no pressure. Okay, so instead of inviting your partner or potential partner over for dinner, go somewhere out, you know, go to Chuck E. Cheese or go to a ball game or... Or invite a number of people to dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah, just a a group. So they're not particularly focused on one person. And then the ideal is if your child could get to know this person before you communicate to your child that you have feelings for this person. So it's not that the child is, okay, we've got to find out who this new person is, might be in my life. It's that there's a person who they kind of know already. And then you say, you know, I want to tell you something. I kind of have feelings for this person. I think they have feelings for me too. What do you think about that? And you get your child's reaction. Usually, uh, young kids, if they're really young, are not going to be so happy about anything that directs your attention away from them, which makes a lot of sense. With older kids, it's a little bit easier that way. So don't be surprised if a younger kid doesn't immediately love the fact that there's somebody new in your life. But I think this is an extra smooth way to do it if you can do it. You have your kid get to know the person first, so they know them on a first-name basis, they're familiar with them, and then you say, you know, I think we might have feelings for each other. What do you think of that? Just get their thoughts. Obviously, their thoughts are not going to dictate what you do, but you're just interested in what they think. Absolutely. 
That brings me to my next question, which could be very uh, touchy for kids. How about public displays of affection with right. this new person that's in your life? All right. For that, you got to really take it slow. Because after all, most kids have a hard time understanding adult courtship behavior, and they found it really off-putting even when it's their own parents necking on the couch. True. That's yeah. so true. <laughs> um, Jane Goodall, who observed chimpanzees, she observed that when chimpanzee, adult chimpanzees mate, very often the young chimpanzees in the troop are busy trying to pull them apart. And so it seems to be a basic primate instinct. I don't know where it comes from. Wow. So kids have a hard time, even if it's a couple, they're both their mother and their father. So it's much more distressful for them if it's somebody new. So you really, really want to take this slow. Well, then how about as the parent that's dating, um, taking it slow, what about when you kind of have some clues or you're, you're, something doesn't feel quite right? You, you're feeling like there's some warning signals going off. Um, do you pay attention to those things, even if it's casual dating or how do you address it with the person? How, how should we handle that? Well, unfortunately, I think you really have no good alternative but to pay attention to those things. If something really feels off, then usually it means something's off. My favorite thing to recommend is an idea that was formulated by a colleague of mine, Dr. Craig Malkin, uh, who has something he calls the intimacy prompt. And I actually discussed that in a previous podcast, um, which was entitled, Help, I'm in Love with a Narcissist. And basically, it's a way of finding out whether a person has the kind of empathy that you want in a committed relationship. How it goes is you tell your partner what's bothering you using the kind of intimate language that we discussed a little while ago, you, me, and a feeling. For instance, you might say, I feel like I need more reassurance from you. And then the important part, you see what they do with it. Do they respond in an intimate way back by saying something like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. I'm glad you told me, which would be a good response. Or do they get defensive? Or do they give you a lecture about how you're too sensitive, which are obviously not so desirable responses? So basically, you can tell a lot about somebody by how they handle an intimate statement. They're really good things to have in your tool chest. Wow. Such great advice, Steve. Um, this brings me to my last question, which I am asked um, over and over again by my listeners. How do we balance our parental responsibilities with our need and our desire to have adult companionship? Okay. It's a really complicated question, and it gets to an issue that doesn't have easy answers. But let me describe the dilemma in a particular way that I think can lead to a good approach. Um, in any romantic relationship, there's always some what we call in the psychology field regression to a more primitive state of wanting to be taken care of. There's something about when you relax into another person's arms it revives very primitive memories of being held, and rocked, and cherished as a very small child. And we all have that. It's probably why so many love songs have the word baby, you know, be my baby. Where does that come from? Yeah, that's where it comes from. That makes good sense. So we all really want to regress like that to a more childlike state when we're in a romantic or especially an erotic relationship. But how do you regress when you're in a caretaking position as a single parent with a bunch of little people who are regressed all the time, <laughs> you're supposed to be the one who's uh, sensible and sober. Um, and the answer, 
I think, is that it's really only a problem on a superficial level. Because love isn't a scarce resource. Love fills you up. And if you regress with somebody like that, then you put on your adult hats again. You come out and you feel able to be fully adult with a feeling more like your tank is full. It makes you more effective at being an adult. Wonderful, wonderful advice, Steve. And personally, as a single parent myself, I have gleaned a lot from this conversation. So I thank you so much. You can listen to Steve Snyder, our relationship doctor, on your favorite podcast app or at quickanddirtytips.com. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Cheryl, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. If you're a single parent, how do you feel about launching into the dating world again? I'd love it if you'd share your thoughts in the comments section at quickanddirtytips.com slash mighty-mommy, or you can post your ideas on the Mighty Mommy Facebook page. You can also reach me by email at mommy at quickanddirtytips.com. Before I close, I wanted to let you know what's happening on next week's podcast. I have another special guest joining me, Malika Chopra, the daughter of spiritual guru Deepak Chopra. We'll be discussing her new book, Just Feel. It's an illustrated guide which empowers kids targeted at ages 8 to 12 years old on problem solving and having more emotional awareness. Malika's book has simple exercises that show kids how to feel less overwhelmed and more in control and generally happier. So I hope you'll subscribe to the Mighty Mommy podcast wherever you listen so you'll be notified when this episode is available. As always, thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy parenting. 